0: I don't, it's unbelievable. I didn't have a clue that Bruce and Dory were going to do this. I just thought I was going to have a little sermon sermon, and uh, say my goodbyes. But, uh, wow. Anyway, you know, so many times I've sat where Bruce is sitting right now and I had a chance to speak. And, uh you know, I would be nervous and then just before they introduced me, I would say, <coughs> okay, Holy Spirit, let's do this. And so i get up but for the first time today, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Norm, let's do this. <laughs> and it caught me off guard. <laughs> you know, because usually I'm the one who's telling him and he's telling me. So, anyway, uh, if any of you have been under any of um, my counseling, you know that i got plenty of compassion, but I don't compromise. And uh, sometimes I tell the people, you need to do what's right, not because it's easy, but because it's right. And uh, I'm not going to look at you. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've always had a, such a burden for young Young people, young adults, because this culture is so screwed up, messed up that uh, they've lost their moral compass. But praise God, Jesus is not on vacation. <laughs> praise God. So Dory asked me. She goes, "You know, there's a couple things that I've that I've just been adamant about all of my walk, and especially when I." I had a a brokenness back in 2005. I've always had a burden for marriages. That's number one. But the other thing was always giving the gift of forgiveness. And so today, I wanted to talk about that, the gift of forgiveness. So um, I'm going to start off. This ought to surprise you. Start off with a little humor says, so the preacher's Sunday sermon was on forgive your enemies. He asked the people, how many have forgiven their enemies? About half the people held up their hands. Hmm. He then repeated the question. Now, how about at this time about 80% of people held up their hands. He goes, hmm. He then repeated his question for the third time. All responded this time, except one elderly lady sitting in the back row. Mrs. Jones, are you not willing to forgive your enemies? I don't have any pastor, she answered. Mrs. Jones, that's very unusual. How old are you? Ninety-eight. Ninety-eight years old, she replied. Mrs. Jones, can you please come down in front and tell the congregation how a person cannot have an enemy in the world? A little sweet la- sweetheart of a lady trotted down the aisle, turned and faced the congregation and said, It's easy. I just outlived all of mine. <laughs> How do we know that it's difficult? We all know it's difficult to show forgiveness and to give a gift. That's my blessed grandson that likes to wear hats, and I gave him my hat, and he looks better in it than I do. <laughs> Thank you, Tris. Well, you know, when I talk about the gift, and we always go, <coughs> okay, what's the definition of a gift? Something voluntarily transferred by one person to another without compensation. In other words, payment. You didn't do anything. It's a gift. And so today... Uh, Where's uh, Branya? Uh, she's Branya. Could you hear me from please? Um, I'd like to start off with giving a gift, and no one knows that I'm going to do this. So, uh, here you go. You know where Donna's sitting? No. Okay. Donna's sitting over here. Can you go give that to Donna and then hustle back here because I got. Another gift I want to give up. Now, some people go, well, these people have no idea that, that I was going to give a gift. Okay, none. You happen to know where Shelly sits, right? Why you give Shelly a gift? Shelly didn't earn anything. She didn't earn this gift, either did Donna. But that's exactly when I say giving the gift of forgiveness Do you know that God gave us the gift of forgiveness? God gave us the gift of mercy and grace. And so when I give a gift, there's no reason, rhyme or reason for it. It's just out of my own heart, of my own free will, that I gave you a gift. Well, that's exactly what giving the gift of forgiveness is all about. How do you know, I mean, how many of you know how hard it is to actually give that gift. You know, when we're offended, whether you get cut off on the freeway or somebody did really something bad, maybe a person was on drugs and drunk and wiped out your car and killed your wife and all the children in the car. I mean, getting cut off on the freeway is completely... Even 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 somebody breaking into your house and killing you and robbing you. I mean there's see we like to we like to uh, to rate our sin or whatever on on a curve. There is no curve with God. It's either right or it's wrong. A little white lie is the same as a great big lie. Makes no difference. But let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about what forgiveness is not, okay? It is not forgetting. If you give somebody a gift of forgiveness, you won't necessarily forget what that person did. I mean, look at Ken Van Meter here. You know, No, I'm <laughs> only teasing you, Ken. Um, and another thing, forgiveness is not, it does not stop the consequences. If somebody stepped out in the parking lot, ran over your child, and they were under the influence of drugs, they'd probably go to jail. For a long, long time, even if they got out and told you how how sorry they very were, they were, and even if you go, okay, you know I'm upset, but I forgive you, I forgive you, he still goes to jail. It won't change the consequences. We need to understand that. What forgiveness is not, it's not an instant reaction. You can't just say, I forgive you, and I'm feeling good. Okay. So that's what forgiveness is not. But what is forgiveness? First of all, and most of our decisions as a Christian, what you don't realize is because we were given a freedom of choice. It is a choice. In the very beginning, God gave us two trees, life and death. We had a choice. All throughout our walk in human history, we have a choice. choice to follow, listen to what God says, or choice to do what we think is right. Forgiveness is also it's paying forward the grace and mercy and forgiveness we have been shown. That's what it is. It's also the will of the Father. And today we're I'm going to mention some scriptures, which I'd love you to prayerfully read later on, and hopefully you'll come to the same conclusion I do. What is forgiveness? It will bring God's mercy and grace into all of our lives' situations, which I'll explain more. Now what is unforgiveness? It is our own judgment on someone. It's a form of entitlement. We feel entitled to get payback for the wrong done to us. It's also not God's will. We are not. We, as humans that accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, okay, didn't deserve it. But the reason why I really stay away from judgment is there's only one true judge, and that's our Lord and Savior. Because you see, when I look at somebody and they do something, and yeah, I can maybe feel the pain of it. I don't know what happened when they got up in the morning. I don't know what their life was like. I don't know how they were raised. God does. So when He makes a judgment, He makes a just judgment. And I can't. So I stay away from it. But let me tell you, in James 2.13 it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. God gives each one of us undeserved grace, mercy, and forgiveness through the death of His Son. He expects no less from us to show the exact same grace and mercy to others. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. The word says, Matthew five forty four uh, says says to love your en to excuse me says to love enemies and bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for them. That's a choice. If you think you can do that. Just because I feel like doing it, you're deceiving yourself. It's a choice we have to make. It goes on to say, if we love those that love us, what good does it do you? This sounds to me like loving and giving forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice and a decision. We cannot wait to feel like giving forgiveness. Or that person asking for forgiveness. God says for us to give that forgiveness. So what if that person does something really, really catastrophically wrong? Really bad? I'll give you a nugget. Here's a nugget for you. Playing the sequence of someone's wrongful action over and over again in the mind is a terrible hindrance to obeying God's command to forgive. When we continually reflect on how wrong an action was, our thoughts act as a blockade between our hearts and God's heavenly compassion. That's a nugget. You need to write that down. Jesus was a living example of love, compassion, and forgiveness that we are to show others. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So what will happen if we don't forgive? There is a little something called the law of the harvest. You will reap what you sow. Plant onions, and you don't get roses. You get onions. Matthew six fourteen says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So if you choose judgment for a person, you can have it, but then you'll get the same judgment applied to your life. If I show mercy and forgiveness, then I will get mercy and forgiveness. Now let me make something very clear right now. When a lot of people read that particular scripture, this has nothing to do with your salvation. We don't earn our salvation by doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing, lose our salvation. No, our salvation is secure. One of the things that God, that Jesus was talking, he was talking to the Jews when he said this in Matthew. And he wanted to let the Jews know, hey, there's a new sheriff in town. You can't, you cannot make it by the law. And this is the law. If you don't do it, you're dead meat. But the new sheriff in town is, if you believe in me, I'm going to bring you life. I'm not going to condemn you. And that's what he was trying to say. So don't get that confused. But what it will do when it comes to the law of the harvest what it will do is it'll it'll raise havoc with your relationship with the heavenly Father, because this is not His will. His Word says, "Listen." Paul even said it in Ephesians and Colossians: "Do good to one another, love one another, forgive one another." Paul said this, so it's a new. It's a new. Um, it's not just a law; it's a New Testament teaching. So I hope some of us are feeling a little convicted just a little convicted, not necessary condemnation, a little convicted. Because I'm sure if I sat here and I asked you, I said, well, why haven't you forgiven that person? Well, and you can give me a list of reasons. But you know what? That person, every one of us that are sitting here today and those outside will have to give an account of themselves to the main judge. So don't think just because you think somebody gets away with something that they've done you wrong that they will not have to answer for it. God is the ultimate judge. So what do I say? You want you want uh, an answer for this? Give the gift. Give the gift. I just gave you an example. Shelley didn't earn that gift. I gave it to her. Donna didn't earn that gift, although Donna's done a lot of things for me, and Shelley too, but she didn't earn the gift. She had no idea I was even going to give it to her. But I gave her a gift, and that's what God expects us to do, no less, to all those. So if you're angry and upset, then give the gift. Now, a lot of people get confused, and I want to make this point really clear. That when I say I give the gift, I forgive you. Norm, I, I don't feel it. I don't feel like giving the gift. I don't feel like I forgive that person. That has nothing to do with it. He gives us a choice, free choice. Norm, are you going to do the right thing? Are you going to give that person the gift? Because that's what I desire of you. And so many times, I have given the gift and not felt it in my heart. But actions will determine, okay, our actual motions, don't you know? And after a certain amount of time, it's very interesting. And God knows us. This is the reason why He gave us this command. He doesn't ask us or give us a command that we we can't take or can't do. You know, He doesn't want to frustrate us forever. He wants us to have a life and have it more abundantly. And He wants this thing that we're dragging around of forgive, you know, not giving forgiveness, but having bitterness and judgment on somebody. Okay? He wants us to get rid of it, to get released. it, And you do that by your own free will, by speaking it. And the miraculous thing is, after a certain amount of time, you'll start loving that person. I can give you accounts of, of situations that this has proven to be true, such as in 19, uh, 2002 there was a woman that was completely high on drugs and there was a family, two daughters, a husband and a wife that were coming down Highway 17 and they crashed in, this crazy woman crashed in and killed their two daughters. So this case in point is that the name of these people were Mandy and Carrie Wagner and they were a wonderful family, they were a Christian family. That's a case where you sometimes wonder says, why God. But I want to tell you what they did. They knew for their own salvation, for their own... You see, let me tell you something. When we walk in grace and mercy, we're up here, okay? With God, grace and mercy. If we walk in judgment, we're down there. Let me tell you something. Satan has no grace and mercy. He's been judged and sentenced so he walks in judgment so when you walk in judgment he knows he can he can't take away your salvation but what he does know is he can raise havoc with your relationship with god and anything that that hassles god satan is in there so therefore when we walk in judgment okay then we cannot have the grace and mercy in our life's trials and tribulations We can get through it. We can have that. He gives us a free choice. We can have judgment if we want. But I don't know about you, but I want grace and mercy in every situation I have because you know what? As you're all sitting here, there isn't a person in here that hasn't had some kind of trial or tribulation that you've gone through. Would you not want God's grace and mercy to work in you? I certainly would. Now, I don't want to walk with the devil because you give the keys to your house, to the devil, when you walk in judgment. Because that's what he has. He can't come up here and grace and mercy. Because there is no grace and mercy for him. But he just gets so joyous, the liar, the father of lies, when he can disrupt any kind of a relationship that you have with a father. So I'll leave you with this getting back to that story. They knew this, and so they began corresponding, corresponding to the person in jail. In the interim of it, she gets saved. And they embrace her when she gets released and she's become like a daughter to them. That would have never happened if they would have kept the bitterness. And quite honestly, they'd probably still be suffering terribly if they hadn't given the forgiveness. Because God, through their grace and mercy and forgiveness, worked the grace and mercy in their loss. And it's, isn't it interesting that they lost $2, but they gained one? That's God's grace and mercy, folks. So, I want to leave you with that. I don't want it to be a downer. And I do want to say one more time. When you read that scripture in, in uh, Matthew 6, it's right after the Lord's Prayer, by the way, when he says, we forgive our those that trespass against us that it has nothing to do with your salvation. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, not even the devil can rip you off. That doesn't mean you can go out and continue to sin and do your thing, you know, because you're going to disrupt your relationship with Christ too. But I'm challenging you today to give somebody grace, mercy, and forgiveness and give them the gift. I promise you this, if you don't hear anything else I'm saying, this will release a brand new revelation of the grace and mercy in your life. Amen. And now, this I'm going to kind of read. This is my goodbye. S- several of you have said the same thing that I actually wrote down here. I thought that was interesting. Even Mitch said it today. I said, it's a fact that from time time, from the very time of our birth, God will give each one of us a book. Everyone here. It's called Life. Within this book, there are many chapters. Some people have books that will have many chapters, and some will have fewer. Only God knows how many chapters each one of us will be allowed in our book, and only He knows how this book of life is going to end. In my book... Judy, Brian, and I started on a new chapter. Nineteen years ago, <coughs> we were led to help Bruce and Dory start a church right here in Hollister with a group of people from San Jose. <coughs> now, it's always been my claim to fame over the years that we arrived in Hollister first. Laugh out loud. <laughs> we actually found a house here first. Bruce and Dory's house wasn't finished yet. <coughs> Over the years, I've been called the weeping prophet. (laughs) Also, Father Abraham, because of the way I just seem to love young men. And Judy has been called the mother of Israel. Since the beginning, Judy and I have been supporting Bruce and Dory and serving the people in this church for 19 plus years. I'd love to preach over the years. I also know it's one thing to love to preach, but it's another thing to love those whom we preach to and I do every one of you during the last two years here in Hollister Judy and I have been praying for direction from the Lord for health and financial reasons it has been a bit of a challenge we both have developed dust allergies maybe it's because of all the billing I don't know Recently, the Lord has opened up a door of opportunity for us to move up to the state of Washington near where my daughter Angie and her husband Ryan and our other grandchildren live. As you know, having a church family is very important to us, so we plan to get into a local church body as soon as possible. I don't need to tell you how much we miss we will we'll miss Brian and Alma and our grandkids here in Hollister. As well as the many friends we have made here at Hillside over, and and in San Jose for over 27 years. We will be having our son David. We will be leaving our son David and his wife Iris and two more grandkids that live nearby in the town of Las Gatos. We are going to miss our family, our church family, and friends terribly. But God has made it clear that this is the beginning of the new chapter in Judy and my book. You might be wondering, do I have it all completely figured out? (laughs) Corey Timboom once said, "Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God." It's exactly what we're doing. Father Abraham didn't have it all figured out when the God asked him to leave Haran. It states us in Genesis twelve one through four. Now, when the Lord had said to Abraham, "Move out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you." I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. May Judy and I be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. In Exodus 33, 14 it says, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I'm claiming that scripture. So I wanted to share just quickly three points from the few scriptures I've read. We don't always get a clear road map when we go into a new land. God has the road map, not us. We are to trust God to be our navigator. I have heard of a phrase that some people have used in the past. God is my co-pilot. I have to tell you, If this is your position, you need to change seats. God should be our pilot, and we should be his co-pilot. There will be deserts in your Christian pilgrimage, but God will provide streams to supply your needs. For the will of God never leads where the grace of God cannot sustain. Praise the Lord. Two, today Judy and I are being blessed by our pastors and our church family. So we are expecting God to bless this church in a mighty way. We're expecting that. And three, three, third, thirdly, Abraham was 75 when he started out on his journey. We're not there yet, but we are in our 70s. So we are expecting to be used wherever God plants us. Isaiah 46, 4. This is for you, Enoch. Even to your old age, I am he. And even to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. So Judy and I will be trusting and leaning on the Lord for guidance through this new chapter of our lives. I know this is not the end of our book, but just another chapter for Judy and I. You all need to know that all of you have made up many of the previous chapters in our book. So you see, you will not be forgotten. Anytime we want, we can just go back and read those precious chapters. All of you will be permanent fibers that have weaved yourself into our lives and have, <laughs> and have made us who we are today. As we leave, I, we both pass the torch or the baton we've carried for Hillside to you to continue the quest to spread the gospel, to live your lives as productive Christians. I say invest in eternity by investing in the people you influence. I leave you with a quote from a dear friend of ours, Christine Gentile. When she said of late, I hate endings. Then she said, we don't have to be sad about what's ending. We can get excited about finding clarity for what we are about to start. A new chapter, if you will praise the lord it's been said people it's been said people beware of destination addiction it's a preoccupation with the idea that happiness is in the next place the next job and with the next partner until you give up that idea that happiness is somewhere else it will never be where you are amen i thank god judy and i have never fallen into this trap as long as we have been christians We were at our first church for 27 years when we were called out to come help here in Halster. We believe strongly that God wants all of his people to sink their roots into the ground of a local church wherever God has has led you and plants you in. Trust me on this. This is the only way a Christian person becomes mature and wise is to follow and submit and to have accountability to leaders that have integrity and are grounded in the word of God. We thank God for pastors like Bruce and Dory, JJ and Andrea, as well as our church board members. Judy and I have always been big on submitting to the shepherds that God has placed over our lives. We live in a culture that's losing this truth more and more each day. Psychologists say even if children rebel and act like they don't need or want any kind of supervision, that's what they secretly and subconsciously want is limitations and supervision because that's where they find their security. Our pastors here at Hillside understand this and want to send Judy and I out with a blessing. So we will have God's favor wherever we go. I'm hoping that all the people we have known will say about Judy and myself what a newspaper reporter once said of the late pastor Peter Marshall. The reporter quoted a store clerk who heard Marshall preach and said, he seems to know God and he leads me to know him better we hope we have set a good example for all of you and that have known us someday at the end of our book Judy and I are looking forward to being able to being able to state we have fought the good fight we have finished the race we have kept the faith i think it's only appropriate for me to leave you with a joke. <sighs> uh, let's see. E, I just want, wanted to tell you it makes perfect sense for worship leaders to wear jeans. I mean, in the Bible, the musicians at the temple were all descendants of Levi's. <laughs> Thank you.